Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Hello, welcome to episode 15 of the Exploring Washington State podcast. Today I have a conversation with Hannah Hanley, the Chief Marketing Officer for Heritage Distilling. This is a wide-ranging conversation where we talk about whiskey. Hey, that's a great topic, right? And we talk about hand sanitizer. We talk about their partnership with the Chehalis Tribe with the Talking Cedar Distillery, which is opening up and is the first distillery on tribal land in the United States. We learn about the origin of the Elk Riders. We also talk about the Special Forces Whiskey Project. And something that sounds really cool to me is their cast club. So this is a fun episode. Hannah also shares with us some of her favorite things to do when she's out exploring Washington State. And I think you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get started. All right, everybody. I'm here with Hannah Hanley, uh, the Chief Marketing Officer for Heritage Distilling. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> and thanks for being on the on the podcast. So today we're going to talk about Heritage Distilling and its story. So I'm going to turn it over to you. First off, how did you get started with them? Sure. So um, I am now Chief Marketing Officer for Heritage, but I started with the company almost seven years ago, um, really since the beginning of the company. And my background's in PR and marketing. I used to work for Canyons Resort in Park City, Utah, um, but I grew up in the Pacific Northwest in the Tacoma area and moved back after living in Utah for a while, um, figured my husband and I figured we needed to find a place where we could raise our family and things like that, um, closer to grandparents and whatnot. And so we moved back to the Northwest and I started looking for jobs and, um, I ended up kind of happening on the distillery posting a tasting room position. I thought, well, um, you know, maybe I could do that on the weekends. It sounds really cool. Uh, so I went in for an interview. They offered me a job uh, to work in the tasting room and help them with marketing, um, kind of on the side, <laughs> working tasting room and whatnot. And all of a sudden, it was very, very full time. <laughs> and um, I started handling the social media and email campaigns and all kinds of stuff like that. And then um, through the years, we opened a few more locations. Um, so this was originally, you know, at the Gig Harbor, our flagship location, where we do the majority of our production. We ended up opening a tasting room in downtown Gig Harbor and on the waterfront, and then in Eugene, and then in Eugene, Oregon, and then Roslyn, Washington, and a couple in Seattle. And so things just really evolved and happened at the same time we were coming up with new products. So we uh, came up with, you know, flavored vodka line and all naturally flavored vodkas and then um, BSB brown sugar bourbon really are one of our flagship products and so as those products started to gain recognition locally um, BSB in particular we launched nationally and um, that was last year and so now you know We've grown exponentially over the years, and um, my role has changed probably a hundred different times in what it, what it is I do. But now, um, as CMO, I manage all of our marketing, uh, our social media, our customer management, uh, our retail programs with our tasting rooms, um, wholesale marketing with our wholesale book of products. And then uh, I also manage our expansion team. So any projects that are coming up, um, things like that. So, yeah. So just a part-time job. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a wild ride. <laughs> it sounds like it. I, I, when we talked earlier, I didn't realize you were covering all of those things. So that's, that's a, you have a very large plate and it's very full. 
It's fun. I mean, it's the distilling business, as I always say, is we're in the booze biz. It's fun. <laughs> there you go. So what's kind of the backstory of Heritage? How did it get started? What was the what was the motivation to launch a distillery? Sure. So our owners are Justin and Jennifer Stiefel. Um, Justin is our CEO. Jennifer is our president. And they are a very entrepreneurial couple. They're amazing and very big idea people. Um, so they actually are originally from Alaska. Um, they moved to D.C. and in Washington, D.C. They both worked um, on Capitol Hill for a while. And Justin is an attorney as well. And he, um, he has some really great law and a legislative background. Um, they ended up moving from DC to, um, gig Harbor where same kind of, they wanted to raise their family and be closer to their families, uh, who were living in this area now too. And, they were sitting around a campfire with some friends one night and they were drinking some whiskey and um, they started talking and saying, you know, the laws change. We can now open a distillery in Washington state. And um, why don't we do it? But we can make something better than what we're drinking tonight. <laughs> so I'd like to know what they were drinking that night. I've never asked specifically what it was. <laughs> Something, yeah, yeah. Um, so fast forward a year, a business plan and our flagship location in gig Harbor opened. Um, the really the premise around heritage started with some very unique programs. So cast club is one of our most unique programs where our members can come and uh, it's an annual membership. Members can age their own barrel of spirits in, in our tasting rooms and um, that really put Heritage on the map for the Washington distilleries uh, just because it's very unique and different. And it's a very different experience when you visit our tasting rooms. Um, and so that was one of the original programs. And then um, slowly started you know, working on new products, working on vodkas, gins, of course, first, putting some whiskey in barrels. And then uh, in the first year anniversary, which I had started just before the first anniversary was the launch of the Elk Rider Whiskey. And so um, we can talk more about products, but I think that there's a cool story around the Elk Riders and that, how that relates to uh, Western Washington as well. So, okay, we'll come back to that though. That'd yeah. Be, that'd be cool. So that's that's a pretty fast um, pretty fast growth. And one of the yep. things I read was they brought in an uh, Italian still. Yeah. Yeah, and so we, it's really common in distilling to name your stills. And so we have Nona, who, like most Italian grandmothers, runs the house. <laughs> and then we have a fleet of micro stills named after Justin and Jennifer's grandfathers and great grandfathers. So while grandma runs the house, the grandfathers work on the side projects. <laughs> they make our gins, <laughs> they make our experimental products. <laughs> and um, so Nona came from Italy. She was the first Italian still made by Barrison Industries in Italy. And now um, much of our equipment, our distilling equipment comes from Barrison. Um, there's a couple of other distillers in the U.S. who, who now also have stills from Barrison, but we're kind of one of their flagship brands that they've worked with in the U.S. So, not, so when I think of Italian 
machinery. I think of Ferraris and espresso machines. I don't think of stills. <laughs> well, the Italians are known for grappa. And so oh. the stills are actually uh, originally engineered for grappa. And then Justin, I mentioned his law background, but I didn't mention he's also a chemical engineer. And so he helped re-engineer the, the machines, the stills, so that they could also distill more American-style recipes, including whiskeys. That's very cool. So mm-hmm. he... He he found the still and he found that a company that would work with him to modify it to his mm-hmm. his his needs. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that's very cool. That's very yeah. cool. They're very so, unique style. Mm-hmm. So They're what's beautiful. the <laughs> what's the capacity of 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 those stills? I mean, mm-hmm. um, Nona is a five hundred liter still, so she's a, a pot column style. It's a, a little different than a standard pot style, um, and then. Are, we have micro stills. Those are Hillbilly still brand, and those are all 25-gallon stills. Hillbilly 25. still is actually a brand. I lo- I think they're so funny because on the temperature gauge, <laughs> it says warm, hot, or w- warm, hot, and then hotter than hell. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, that's that's cool. So, mm-hmm. so you guys grew, and mm-hmm. you you know, you're everywhere. Your marketing is, you know, kudos to you. Your, your, your brand is everywhere. I see <laughs> it you. a lot of places, but one of the things that had me reach out to you mm-hmm. was you guys kind of made it. I, I hate to use the word pivot because we're all overusing, you know, that word is just so I can't wait till it's not fashionable, <laughs> but you made a pivot we did. because of, because of circumstances. Can you expand on that? I can't help but think of that Friends episode where Ross and, and Chandler are trying to move the couch up the stairs and Ross keeps yelling, Pat! <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. That's, wow. That's a long time ago to remember, but oh yes, I do remember that now. I just, it, that word is so, it's so, it's, you know, when, when we look back on history and we go back to 2020, it'll be like, okay, so things that, you know, don't use that word. Um, it'll be just one of those so worn out words by then. So, but you did, you pivoted. We have had a lot of pivots in 2020. (laughs) I would say the biggest pivot was when we took about 48 hours and shifted from making whiskey (laughs) to making hand sanitizer. So we, um, we launched hand sanitizer March 20th. We started making hand sanitizer March 17th. These are easy days to remember because St. Patrick's Day, I remember wearing my green shirt. Green hand sanitizer. Yeah. And then I remember that Friday in like March 20th, it's time to launch sanitizer. So, so you guys, you guys launched that in, yeah. in exceptionally fast time. Yeah. It was gangbusters. It was crazy. And I, I saw it at Costco. Yeah. So, you know, you made it to Costco very quickly. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, We have an amazing sales team and they have just amazing relationships. And so as soon as um, we started making sanitizer, we knew how much we would be able to produce pretty quickly. Um, Brian, who's our sales guy, reached out to his contact at Costco and said, do you guys need sanitizer? They, of course, were like, "Uh, yes. (laughs) And so they started taking... um, you know, pallets as soon as we could deliver them to them. We wow. supplied over a hundred thousand gallons of sanitizer to the state of Washington for their first responders program that they 
um, sent out to hospitals, uh, firefighters, really all over the state. Um, we've done, we, let's see, where else? Sanitizer to Boeing was a big one. We had totes for their production facilities. Um, a lot of donations. We've, we've donated probably 25,000 gallons of sanitizer in total to people who needed it, people who couldn't get, get it, especially in the very beginning there. Um, it was a little wild if, if you all remember. So it, it really was, it was, it was, you walk into the grocery store and it was, you know, toilet paper and hand sanitizer, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden you guys pop up with, you know, at Costco with, with pallets of hand sanitizer. Yeah. I mean, we went from, you know, we have a pretty robust social media presence, but we went from getting like maybe 25, 30 messages a day on our Facebook to getting over a thousand messages a day. <laughs> God, we're getting like probably 5,000 to 10,000 emails a day. I mean, it was wild. That's crazy. So will hand sanitizer continue to be a product for you or is it, was this a, a temporary, uh, you know, a temporary thing? So the FDA has loosened, I hate to use that word, but that's really what they've done is loosened the regulations on sanitizer production through the end of 2024 distilleries. So we will right now we'll be done selling sanitizer at the end of 2020 based on the regulations. Well, just because you said that, I'm going to jump ahead to something because I'll forget if I don't sure. now. Yeah, yeah. But the the loosening of of things um, <laughs> and the cocktails to go. Yeah. You know, I I find that to be pretty fascinating. And I was on your website yeah. and I saw that you guys have you know cocktails to go. Yep. Yeah. How is that? How has that been received? Um, also amazing. So different than restaurants that you know have cocktails and they can just serve them based on the current regulations in Washington. We actually, as a distillery, do have to go through the TTB, the Tax and Trade Bureau federal approval process to sell our product called Cocktails to Go. Oh. <laughs> um, so we have all our formulas and our labels have gone through the federal approval process. It just so happens that at the same time, as we were already planning on launching Cocktails to Go for summer 2020, um, the kind of legislation in, in Washington really opened up for restaurants to be able to do the same. And I'm completely on board. <laughs> like, I love a cocktail to go. <laughs> I call them to gozies. Gozies. <laughs> person I used to work with called them roadies. Um, <laughs> those were the good old days, I guess. Okay, anyway. That's like the vintage Montana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, long time ago. Not, not endorsing that. <laughs> no. Do you think that, the cocktails to go legislation will stay that this is a, a product that's going to be that restaurants are going to be able to do. And will you guys be able to do it continuously? Or do you think it may I sure be? hope so. <laughs> no, we, okay. we will, because we, ours are, are the federally and, and okay. they're, I mean, we've gone through the whole process uh, from a restaurant standpoint, what, um, the governor's orders have loosened up has been specific to restaurants selling cocktails in the containers to go. And so I, I mean, I hope that that stays, I think it's a great revenue driver. And I think that anything we can do right now to drive revenue for restaurants and bars is excellent. Right. Because it's going to be a while before they're back to full capacity. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's and, whenever phase four is and whatever that is, right. that's a long time from now. <laughs> so you also have this other, 
really large project <laughs> that you've been working on. Why don't we talk about, you know, that? And that's the Talking Cedar. Sure. Yeah. So Talking Cedar is our partnership with the Chehalis tribe. And we've been working on that for about five years. The Talking Cedar location opened June 30th, 2020. So just about two months ago. And we have um, worked with them to create, it's a, People are like, what is Talking Cedar? (laughs) It's a great question. It is a restaurant, it's a brewery, and it's a heritage distilling company distillery location. And it is one of the largest distilleries and breweries west of the Mississippi. Um, It is also the first distillery on tribal land and owned by the tribe. So it is owned by the Chehalis tribe. Um, it's in partnership with us from the distilling side. And then they have Talking Cedar Brewing as well, which uh, is the brewery side. So the building is kind of, it has the front part, which is a retail space and restaurant and bars. And then it's sort of split down the middle in what we call behind the glass. Uh, so if you walk in the front door to the left is all the distilling equipment. To the right is all the brewing equipment. And uh, we have shared uh, boilers and shared cooling systems and shared grain rooms. Okay. And where's that located at? Amazing. And it, it's in Chehalis or Grand Chihale. Mountain. So right Grand off Mountain. exit 88 on okay. off of I-5. Um, and it's I mean, right off the exit. So there's giant distillery brewery sign, about six foot tall letters. But I have heard people have been missing it. So uh, if if people are looking for it, it's, you know, by the there's a brand new Marriott there. And then uh, same exit as the Great Wolf Lodge, okay. which is also owned by the tribe. Right. That whole intersection right there, I think, yeah. is um, yeah. all tribal land. On a side note, I know the real estate broker, they're probably yeah. helping the tribe purchase all that. Um, neither here nor there. So that's kind of an interesting an interesting process, but that wasn't particularly easy, was it? Uh, we just didn't <laughs> open that up on a, you know, on a handshake. No. <laughs> like I said, five years in the making. Um, we were going down the path with the tribe, knowing that it was going to likely be the first distillery on tribal land, not knowing that there was a law from the Andrew Jackson era in place that would need to be changed (laughs) and need to be overturned. And so um, it was probably two and a half, three years into the project when all of a sudden they went to file for the federal permit and uh, got pushed back saying, well, there cannot be a distillery on tribal land. The law actually stated that the government could go in with axes and chop up the distilling equipment. Uh, That's how old the law was. So um, Harry from the tribe and Justin from Heritage went to D.C. and went really door to door and and ended up um, getting no pushback at all on the law. Everyone they explained it to was like, well, that doesn't make any sense any longer. (laughs) And so president Trump ended up um, signing the, the overturn of that law in December of 2018. And so the project was back on and in 2019, we spent much of the year planning and then um, we had planned to open early 2020 Unfortunately, that, of course, got pushed. <laughs> so it was not going to work to open a restaurant in March <laughs> of 2020. And so we like 
all things in 2020. There's been some delays, but the project has, I mean, anyone who wants to check it out, like the patio is amazing indoor seating as well. Um, but you know, whatever you're comfortable with and there's plenty of social distancing, all of that is in place. And so the food's great. The food, uh, partners are through Adam who he owns a slew of restaurants in the Adam Adrian. He owns, a, um, the ribeye, which is also off of I-5 in uh, Centralia. He has Mercado. He has a couple of other restaurants, all kind of in the Olympia area. And he's really kind of an understated restaurateur, but very, very talented. And definitely, uh, I keep telling him, I'm like, I'm going to get the word out about you, Adam. <laughs> All right, there you go. We'll put a link. We'll put a link in our show notes to it. Yeah. Um, for that. So, so what's the plan for this then? So they, they are in production now, correct? They are actually distilling. Is that, so they is are, that happening? Um, they are beginning to distill. Well, there's a couple pieces. So when we started growing hand sanitizer very, very quickly, we realized that our tanks here at our flagship location in Gig Harbor were actually a little too small. But in Chehalis at um, at Talking Cedar, they have these massive dump and blend tanks is what we call it, where you dump and blend. And so they ended up using being able to use those in partnership with the tribe to blend sanitizer. And um, so that's been happening since April. And then the actual distilling equipment is coming, has been coming from Italy, uh, also delayed a little bit. <laughs> But um, as of this last, the last two weeks, we've been starting the installation process of that equipment. People can check it out on our Instagram, Heritage Distilling Instagram, and then also on the Talking Cedar Instagram. There's some cool pictures and videos of all the equipment going in. So very beautiful pieces. And then uh, distilling will start happening. Test batches will start happening mid-September. So just a couple weeks. (laughs) We'll be firing up everything. That's, Um, That's pretty cool. Brewing has already been happening at a offsite test facility as well. And so the beer that Talking Cedar is pouring is Talking Cedar beer. Um, great beer as well. Yeah. So Heritage product lines. Yeah. I know for BSB. That's that's my familiarity. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know you guys did vodka. To be full disclosure. I was like, sure. And I was talking, I was talking to somebody that works for us on the on the Explore Washington State, and she's like, "Oh, I love their vodkas." They're I'm like, "Vodka." Um, so you've got a full line of vodka. Yep. Let's talk about your guys' products. I mean, BSB. I know it because of the Mariners. In- yeah, we put a lot of marketing behind BSB, knowing that it was the brand that we wanted to grow nationally, and so it is what we're known for. Um, we have a, a slew of other products, so vodkas, uh, gins, elk Rider gin is one of my favorite products that we make. Uh, and then our naturally flavored vodkas, um, lavender vodka is really, really popular. We have a coffee vodka, which I think is one of our most underrated products. It's amazing. <laughs> it's really good in like a cold brew. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the elk Rider story, which really started with Jennifer's family. So Jennifer's family settled in the Quinault region of the U S or Washington, excuse me. They were some of the first settlers into that area. And in the late 1800s, they actually domesticated elk and 
wrote them. And so they were famous elk writers in the region. There's actually photos in each of our tasting rooms of the elk writers. Um, Jennifer's, I believe it was her great, great grandfather, one of 18 children. So you can imagine a very large family (laughs) and um, they were, I mean, they were homesteaders. And so it was, it was a wild time. (laughs) And um, so the elk writer story is really based on tradition and traditional recipes. We say at Heritage, every spirit has a story because there really is a story behind every spirit that we make. And then behind every cast club barrel um, that someone signs up and has their own barrel, there's a story behind that. So Elk Rider line, all traditional recipes. We have vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, and a blended whiskey under the Elk Rider line. That's fascinating. I did not, I did not know. So that's a cool, very cool story. Yeah. I, I should, I need to like post about it more. It's crazy. No, that's, that's a very cool. I had no idea the backstory yeah. that they domesticated there's, elk and rode them. That's, there's a picture from the Rose Parade of, in like 1899 of like 12 women. It's all women and children always in these photos riding the elk all lined up in Portland, one of the main downtown street with these elk with giant racks. Wow. Yeah. That's okay. Well, do you know, I mean, this totally off topic now. So warning, why did they, why did they pick elk? What was the. Yeah. It's my understanding that at the time it was harder to find horses in the area. Sometimes horses would um, die or whatever. And so oftentimes the uncle's a, would find these young elk that maybe had been abandoned by their grand or by their moms and they would bring them back to the farm and raise them from young elk to grow up to be really domesticated almost like horses and so that's my understanding is that it was just it was almost a necessity like they and then it was also a little bit of a um i mean a kind of celebrity aspect being known in the area (laughs) Yeah, riding into town on an elk, you'd get noticed. That would be, that would be a very, imagine? no, no I can't. We thought COVID was wild. Yeah. <laughs> so what, in, what is your, what's the, what's Heritage's best product? I mean, not best and like that, but what's, what's your number one seller? Is it, is it BSB? Is that sell the most or? Nationally, it's BSB for sure, our, our brown sugar bourbon. Um, in our tasting rooms, though, it varies seasonally. So we have this time of year, especially like our blood orange vodka sells really well. We do a lot of blood orange vodka ritas. Um, mango vodka is amazing. Our traditional line, we have a line called dual barrel. And so it's dual aged, first aged in new barrels and then aged in barrels that held either pure vanilla or pure orange extract. And so the um, vanilla iterations of that is a partnership with Total Wine Stores nationwide. And it's part of their Spirits Direct program. So we have the dual barrels, bourbon and rye sold nationally through the Total Wine Stores. And then um, the dual barrel orange extract versions, bourbon and rye, are really more exclusive to our tasting rooms. But I think they're some of the best products we make. Um, and then, you know, like I said, I'm a, I like our Elk Rider gin a lot, especially this time of year. It's, there's really something for everyone. (laughs) Um, in our Oregon facility, we make rum as well. And our team is working on some really amazing rum recipes, single barrel aged rums and spiced rums. It'll be really unique. Um, 
And then, you know, we, we have some really cool community partnerships too. So, um, we have a product called the special forces whiskey. And so we'll be launching the sixth edition of the special forces whiskey around veterans day in November. And that's a partnership with the first special forces group, which is based at JBLM. Um, we donate a portion of the proceeds from every bottle back to, to special forces charities, including gold star families and, um, chapter 16 association, which does scholarships for special forces, uh, kids and things like that. So it, it's really an amazing program. We've donated over $120,000 to their charities. So, um, yeah. that's a project that's really a passion project for me. And I, I love, and I think it's just really cool and it's a great whiskey. <laughs> so Dane, who's our, he's our master distiller. We call him distiller Dane. And he just, he comes up with awesome recipes He's like, I like to go by Potions Master. <laughs> uh, Potions Master. Okay. So this will be the sixth uh, ver- time you've done this Special Forces? Yep. So, yep. so this will be the sixth year? Do you do it? Is it once a year? Yeah. Yep. Typically, we typically launch it in December. Um, there's a, an event at JBLM called Mentone Week, which is when all of the Special Forces guys from across the country and from Canada gather at JBLM. And it's really a... A week of celebration and um there's some competitions there's you know there's shooting competitions and there's jumping out of planes and and then it, it ends in um their their big military ball at the end of the week and where they do a bunch of awards and honor anyone that they've lost in the year and things like that but what we do is we typically launch the product that time at that point this year, we are going to launch it a little bit early just with everything going on. They're not sure if Minton's going to be able to happen. And we are hoping to be able to place the product for the first time into the AFI stores across the country, which would allow us um, to sell the product on base in the classic stores. So each year, is the whiskey a different whiskey? Is it? Is he coming up with a different recipe for each year? Yeah, it has been a different recipe. Um, We had two years where it was the same recipe, just based on barrels available. And then this year will be a new recipe. Um, He's bringing some some barrels forward to taste for this particular project, which will be cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your tasting rooms. Yeah. we did an article about the Roslyn hotel and we referenced your tasting room in Roslyn, which I was not, not that I'm aware of everything. I don't mean like that, but I was not aware that you had a tasting room in Roslyn. Yeah. So why don't we start there? How long has that one been open? Roslyn has been open three years or almost three years, three years this November. Um, Roslyn is a beautiful little community, uh, near Cleellum. And so when, uh, what happened was we were actually approached by a, a woman in that area who's on the Roslyn Downtown Association, uh, Sherry Marusa. A lot of people know Sherry. <laughs> she um, she's very involved in her community and and on a lot of nonprofit boards and things like that. So she had reached out to us about four or five years ago, and she said, "I'm looking for a distillery. I have this project." Um, in downtown Roslyn, this, this historic building, and we're going to revitalize downtown Roslyn. And I never been to Roslyn. <laughs> and I was like, 
what are we doing? <laughs> and then it turns out that Roslyn is quite the destination. And, um, you know, it's the locals are amazing and we have been so supported and we, I just, I love the community. We love the community in Roslyn. So we have 10,000 square feet in the old NWIC building, which is the Northwest uh, Improvement Company store building. Northwest Improvement was the mining company in Roslyn and Ronald in that area. And um, so the the building is from, I believe, the 1800s as well. A lot of 1800s. (laughs) And um, we have tasting room. We have event spaces normally. (laughs) And then we do have small batch production. and. we have amazing cast club there as well. We have what we call the cast club library. So it's a full room um, dedicated to cast club barrels. And um, the space is just awesome. We have, of course, the Cleelum and Roslyn locals and then uh, nearby the Suncadia population as well who comes and um, visits us on, on weekends usually. So, so not only is it a tasting room, it's a distillery. Yep. Mm-hmm. So your other tasting rooms have distilleries in them as well, but do they, Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is does, does the Roslyn one make a lot of things or does it specialize in, you know, is it just making whiskey, let's say, or is it just making a gin or what does it, or does it do a more, a wider range of things? So prior to June 11th, 2020, the law in Washington was that any distillery tasting room needed to also have production and so every tasting room that we had did does is set up for production. Um, the law did recently change, so we'll be shifting some production just to be a little bit more efficient. But in Roslyn, they make all the products that they sell. Uh, okay. And then they do have a, a product called Roslyn Reserve that is unique to their location as well. It's a whiskey. What is what is Roslyn Reserve? So um, it's a whiskey and then a portion of the proceeds from every bottle sale goes to go to the Roslyn Downtown Association, uh, the nonprofit there to help you know support the community. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. So what other what other locations you mentioned earlier one in Eugene? Yep. Yeah, we'll skip that because it's Oregon. Um, this is all about exploring Washington. Of course, no, explore Washington what, for sure. So. No, but, but you mentioned that you're doing rum down there. Yeah. So Eugene opened, let's see, I, I believe four or five years ago. Um, Eugene's a college town and has a great district called the Whitaker District where we're near our friends Hot Valley Brewing and near and in Cossie Brewing, Oakshire. And so it's kind of a cool area. Um and then allows us to also produce a few more products that we wouldn't be able to produce in Washington. So they have a great tasting room down there. Um, they have right now this in this current times, um, outdoor drink service and then retail, uh, delivery and curbside pickup. And then you have one in Gig Harbor. Yep. So we have in the past had two in Gig Harbor, our flagship location. We recently closed the tasting room there just because the production has gotten really big and uh, the parking lot gets really full of trucks coming and going and whatnot. So um, that location is, is all production now. And then we have our waterfront tasting room in downtown Gig Harbor, uh, which has been open for about six years 
And um, we recently expanded that about a year ago. So we now have double the space. And current currently, we also have an outdoor drink patio. Um, we'll be adding indoor service this week. <laughs> and then um, some retail space. We have our cast club program. Uh, we also have a program in all of our locations called Spirits Growlers, where you can actually get a refillable bottle of your favorite spirits, so vodka, gin, whiskey, whatever we have to, on tap. Most of our locations have 10 to 15 taps. <laughs> I said, we're like, we have a lot of ideas, a lot of programs. <laughs> it's a good thing this huh. is an hour. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm, you stumped the band. Wow. Um, whiskey on tap. Okay. It's very green. Uh, <laughs> so you can, green. Yeah, it's no, a green so option. Can you bring, can you, <laughs> can you, yeah. Can you bring in any bottle or does it have to be a refill of, of a heritage bottle? It does have to be a heritage bottle. Again, we talked about our federal approval process. And so we do have to, we have approved sizes that we have to use. And so because of that, um, it does, it does have to be our bottle, but if you bring it back in, you get the discounted price of just the refill instead of buying the bottle and everything. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Yeah. That's actually very, very cool. Spirit Scrollers TM. <laughs> gotcha. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll reference that below too, just for people to look. Cause I'm, you can't, you know, you can see my face cause we're, we're doing this with a video, but no one's else. And I was like, uh, I did see, I your, compl- Scott, I did see your jaw drop a little. <laughs> yeah, my jaw was like, you know, uh, hanging loose. I was kind of, I, wow. Where else, what other uh, tasting rooms? You've got a couple more. Yeah. So um, we do have a tasting room in Ballard in Seattle as well. And uh, that location is right on the corner of 20th and Market, um, really in the heart of Ballard. And uh, so we opened there about two years ago. And um, same that location as our growler program, Cast Club. Um, It has a um, full production area in the back and... Um, It's really a beautiful space. And then we were able with the city of Seattle right now to also add some tables outside on the sidewalk for outdoor drink service. Um, Very nice. And then we did have a location in Capitol Hill. Unfortunately, we had to close it uh, this just recently. It was really close to chop. And and, um, unfortunately, just with everything going on with, with COVID and all of it just wasn't sustainable any longer for us. Yeah, that's, well, we're hearing that from a lot of people for about a lot of things. You keep mentioning Cast Club. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Yep. How does one, how does one participate? So and Cast what Club, is a Cast Library? Yeah, know, so Cast Club is, um, like I said, it's an annual program. Our members sign up for an annual membership. They tell us what to fill their barrel with. So we have a list of recipes that they can select from tell us what to fill their barrel with, and then they come in, taste it, and they tell us when to pull their bottles out. So it's really custom-age spirits, um, new vodkas, gins, whiskeys in Washington, uh, and then rums in Oregon and all of the other products in, in Oregon as well. And um, and then we have also a list of, of ingredients that people can add, so vanilla beans, cinnamon sticks, uh, things like that. Yeah, so our Cast Club is an annual membership program. Members sign up. They tell us what to fill their barrel with. We have a list of pre-approved recipes. And then they tell us when they want to pull bottles out. So um, members pay for their annual membership, and then they pay when they pull their bottles out. 
Um, but it's custom aged spirits, which is amazing. So how long are people leaving them in the barrels typically? I mean, do you have some guidance there? Do you say, you know, this whiskey is probably best six months, nine months, two hours, you know, do you provide some guidance? Yeah. So we typically say about six to nine months is a good time to age your whiskeys. They're 10 liter barrels. So they are smaller barrels. The product inside ages faster than a typical 53 gallon barrel. And uh, members can fill as many times throughout the year as they, as they like. So what do, can, what do you mean by fill? I, I think a draw, like I'd be tasting it. Is that so what you mean by let's fill? Let's say you fill your barrel. You, you say, Scott wants his Explore Washington whiskey, his bourbon, and he's going to age it for six months. So, Scott, you pull your bottles out after six months, you empty your barrel. We refill it for you with whatever, whatever you want next for free, oh. complimentary, included in your membership. Oh. And then in another six months, so now you've been a member for a year and you pull your bottles out again. So now you have two batches of aged whiskey in one year. Oh, very cool. That's, that's, I'm, I'll have to talk about that off, off, offline. Um, <laughs> Scott's whiskey. <laughs> Scott's whiskey. <laughs> well, we do have the exploring, <laughs> the explore Washington state coffee. I mean, whiskey would be a, a perfect add on to that line. Hey, there you go. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about you for a little bit in Washington state. So yeah. you, you mentioned you were from here. Yep. Did you, you grew up in Tacoma area? Yep. Yeah. I grew up in Edgewood, <laughs> which okay. is North Puyallup. <laughs> Yep. And um, went to high school in Tacoma and then uh, moved away for college. And uh, then, like I said, I lived in Utah for a while and then moved back and I've been in Tacoma. And now I live on Fox Island. Um, my husband and I have been back for about nine years. Beautiful there. Yeah. So put you on the spot. What's your favorite heritage product? My favorite heritage product is our Elk Rider Gin. Okay. It is a traditional gin recipe, juniper, sweet orange peel, and um, and coriander. And it's just got this really nice, crisp flavor profile. <laughs> so I really like it in a Negroni or in a classic gin and tonic. Um, beaver tree tonic is my, is my tonic of choice. <laughs> beaver tree tonic. specific. <laughs> okay. Well, that kind of dovetails to my next... Well, my next question is kind of like, what's your secret recipe what what's share with us like what's the like what's a secret cocktail recipe that you have okay yeah, so won't I have be secret a anymore okay <laughs> it won't be secret anymore so you know yeah it won't be secret anymore yeah so um i like just simple classic cocktails but there is this recipe that, <laughs> that it's for frosé <laughs> so you use a sparkling rosé um, we like a Washington one, of course. So like, a you know, Brown family vineyards is one of my favorite. That's not sparkling, but they have an amazing rosé. Saint Michel, just of course, a, a great classic. Oh, upside down wines. They have a great rosé. Um, so rosé, peach vodka, heritage peach vodka, which is a seasonal flavored vodka for us, usually available only in the summertime. And then you do just a little bit of club soda. Um, you can add simple syrup if you like it a little sweeter. So you take that and you put it in a plastic bag, like a gallon Ziploc bag, <laughs> and you put it in your freezer. <laughs> and then after like four to six, can be longer hours, you take the plastic bag and you like crumple it up, like squish it all together. 
And then you take an ice cream scoop and you scoop that out into a glass with a nice squeeze of lemon. <laughs> Rosé. <Okay. laughs> All right. All right. That sounds, that actually sounds, I'm not a vodka fan, but that actually sounds quite, quite delicious. Actually, that, that would be kind of very cool. I might have to try that out. That's a good summertime recipe. Um, and then I mentioned our coffee vodka. I do like our coffee vodka with like a cold brew and a splash of like oat milk, <laughs> a little drizzle of caramel if you're getting fancy. <laughs> fancy, okay. Mm-hmm. So since you're you're here now, you're back in Washington State, you, you don't just work at Heritage. You go out and do <laughs> stuff. So where are some of the places you like to go and quote unquote explore in Washington? Yeah. Um, so my top favorite place and people who know me well, know me that every Sunday I meet my dad at point defiance and we walk or run (laughs) and we do, uh, the trails. So my dad has been running with his buddies at point defiance. We call them three stooges (laughs) for 40 years. (laughs) They like to do all kinds of math about how far they've ran or walked at Point Defiance, but the last calculation is that they have walked around the entire circumference of the globe doing the trails at Point Defiance. That's very cool. All right. Yeah. So that's, that's like my all time local favorite spot. I know that lots of people go to Point Defiance, but getting to know the trails is really, really cool. So where's your favorite, where's your favorite trail in there then? What's, you know, you can go and explore the whole thing. So where's the, where's the go-to run? So we park, um, up by the, by the, um, like the main parking as you walk into the right. And then we go down past the playground and then we go up into the roadie garden. We go right down the spine trail and then out to the lookouts and then around the, um, circumference trail and then back through the dog park usually <laughs> past the fort and then down the um, Mildred street <laughs> entrance. And about how long of a run is that? Uh, four miles. Oh, that's not bad. That's not yeah. bad. And the roadie, the roadie park when they're in bloom is beautiful. The what? The roadies are beautiful when they're in bloom. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's Spring, you know, April, May park. is the best. Okay. So. so how about getting out a little bit further from home? Sure. Not just in your backyard, if you will. Where, where else? <laughs> so second spot is Crystal Mountain. I grew up skiing. Um, when I was in high school, I worked and sold lift tickets and taught lessons at Crystal Mountain. It has a very special place in my heart. Okay. <laughs> Even as wild as it's gotten up there lately. But <laughs> I haven't been up there in years. Has it, has it, the last time I was up there was a long time ago. So how is it nowadays? Is Are they... I mean, it's beautiful. They... they um, have a gondola that goes up to the top. So even if you're not a skier, you can go take the gondola up and, and from Crystal Mountain is the best view of Mount Rainier. So that is very, um, so that is my next spot. And then that's for winter Winter time. Okay. (laughs) Port Townsend. I really like Port Townsend in the summer, specifically around the rhododendron festival, which is in May every year. And Mm -hmm. they have a parade and they have, bunch of community events and so it's a really fun time and back to my my dad and his running buddies they would always go out and do the the roadie run 12k which starts and ends from fort um fort warden so warden. yeah yeah port townsend's a very cool town with a really interesting history yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's <Very cool>. true <laughs> 
Very cool. Yep. And then anywhere else? Do you ever go east of the mountains or are you just, uh, are oh, you yeah. just one of the wet side people? <laughs> so I like Walla Walla a lot. Um, I like, I mentioned brown <laughs> wine. Um, I like to drink. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm laughing because Walla Walla is my new, my new crush. I, I go down there for business like every, every it's week. It's awesome. Or, and it's Walla Walla like Walla underrated. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, Walla Walla is awesome. And, it's uh, so fun. Yeah. No, I, I like, how did I miss this all these years? This, it's this so is, fun. Yeah. yeah. So many I great just, wineries, so many great little shops. Um, so Brown and Waterbrook and all the ones out there. And then further east. So um, my family, my mom's side of the family is from um, Rosalia originally. And we actually have a lake place on Priest Lake and that's Idaho. But it's okay. just over the border. Right. So Priest Lake, I shouldn't even talk about it because it's like a secret. Right, right. Well, it's, it's Idaho. We know. We so in Walla Walla, what, what winery, what's your favorite winery in Walla Walla? I, I mean, I like Waterbrook and then I like the Brown Family Vineyards tasting okay. a lot. I think it's just fun. It's got good so, vibes. So not that we... we you know, we, we didn't, I didn't tell you, I was going to ask you this. So when you're in Walla Walla, where do you, where's like a great place to go eat that you think of in Walla Walla? Oh, shoot. Okay. I wasn't prepared. There's this really cool brunch place that is like not in the main street area. <laughs> it's okay. I stumbled oh, upon, have you ever been to Andre's kitchen? Is that the one? It's the one. It's in a gas station. No, I haven't been there. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a restaurant and right now it's just you know to go it's literally inside the cenex gas station so you walk in and it's you know there's nothing nice about it in the sense that it's a just a convenience store and off to the left this guy this guy's got this kitchen andre's kitchen classically trained chef the food is mind-blowingly good it's that's awesome that's my style right there (laughs) yeah no it i went there and I had his brisket and it was literally the best brisket I've ever had in my life. Oh my God. I love so brisket. I went there the next day for breakfast and I had something called the morning after, which was a, a scratch made biscuit with a piece of fried chicken, bacon, and an egg. However you want it cooked with some, yes. some kind of hot sauce on it. not too hot, but just a little bit of sauce to give it a little, a little, a little zing. Yeah. I just, Gas station food. Who'd have thought? And I guess his tacos. I haven't tried his tacos yet. He's well known for his tacos. That's like there's a sandwich place in Gay Harbor. I don't even know the name of it. It's just in a shell station and it's really good. <laughs> there's a there's a shell station in Olympia that has uh, really good hamburgers. Oh, um, I think I've heard of that. Yeah. Anyway. That could be a whole podcast, gas station surprising food. <laughs> you'd be you'd be surprised at how yeah. Anyway, and then there's a yeah, Walla Walla system. It's Hadaways. Hadaways brunch. Hadaways. Yeah. Okay. It's really good. Right. I have not tried that. Yep. No, it's uh Walla Walla is fun. Mm-hmm. So anything anything you want to like we'll we'll get this like wrapping it up, kind of close it up here. But mm-hmm. what's on the horizon for Heritage? Is there anything that you know, because you guys have done so much so fast. So I can't imagine you're just gonna stop innovating and stop doing things. <laughs> yeah. We so coming up this year, besides our special forces whiskey launch, we will be opening a uh, distillery tasting room in Tumwater. 
It's in oh. partnership with South Puget Sound Community College in their distilling and brewing program. And so we will have one of the only West Coast or West side of the U.S. Um, distilling and brewing programs. Uh, and that is, an, it's a, it's just an awesome program that South Puget Sound Community College does. So we, in Tumwater, it's, um, it is called the Craft District. It's a new area and that will include a tasting room, um, drink service, and then we'll have full distilling there as well. Well, there will be classroom settings for teaching how to distill, which is going to be amazing because we'll be able to really, um, you know, train staff to work on our equipment, which is cool. That's very cool. I, that's, that's, that's exciting actually. Mm-hmm. So do you do besides the special forces, is there any other reoccurring um, collaborations, I guess, lack of a better word. I mean, do you do any, it, is there, is there anything else? I mean, I don't know that the answer to that's going to be no, that's a completely, <laughs> yeah, just, just curious. Is like, is there anything else that you guys do? Yeah. I mean, um, communities being part of the community is a huge part of who we are. It's part of our mission. And so the special forces project is awesome. And, and that will be bigger. It's getting bigger than our community. Even it's, you know, it's getting into the more nationwide special forces community, which is much larger <laughs> than I think I ever knew. <laughs> and, um, and then I mentioned the Rosalind reserve project, which is a community base project as well but overall we just we we support our communities as much as we can um you know donating what we can to nonprofits. Nonprofits are a huge part of washington state and that's it's you know community is important so um that's that's great mm -hmm. so with this is i'll leave you with the last word um well actually i'll say this i think you know if you're listening to this i would encourage you to go out check out heritage if you haven't already uh, they do some really cool things in their, their spaces. I mean, the one in Roslyn's really cool. That's I can speak to that, but that's all I can speak to at this point. I will go try the other ones. I really think that the Tumwater idea, That's I didn't know that there was a distilling program going or starting. And I think that's awesome. That's yeah, it's cool actually been in, it's been a couple of years at SPSCC of that program. Um, and they are, they're starting this fall. They ha I think they have... Um, two classes, 20 students total, maybe 30 students total. So they're splitting them up in schedule and stuff like that, which it's just a really cool, unique program and, um, you know, a great way for our industry to be able to develop people into jobs within our industry as well. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. It's like, yeah, how does one get started in, unless you have a still in your backyard? Yeah. How do you get into um, it? <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's, it's like, so I didn't even think about the college thing. I know that WSU has the wine programs. Yeah. And so, yeah, there is not a distilling program, really. There's a couple um, in the east and a couple down south, but not not really on the west coast. Okay. So. Very cool. So, well, thank you for being on. I appreciate oh, it uh, very much. It was very enjoyable. The conversation was very enjoyable and informative. So thank you. And uh, I'll leave you with the last word. All right. Well, find us at heritagedistilling.com, at Heritage Distilling on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, all the social media channels. And thank you for the support. Thanks for reaching out. Okay. Take care, everyone.
Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.